0: we They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Doc from the John Freak Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts ways to support the pod how to get in touch and our entire back catalog is there including episode summaries Missed these sections of the jmt episodes you can find them there missed a triple crowner episode yep that's there too world travelers adventure athletes polar explorers barclay marathon competitors authors filmmakers documentarians and more are waiting for you take a look at the new website and just a reminder adventure lives
0: here john Freakin' your pod lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails short and long with your host and renaissance man doc it's time to embrace the suck
1: greetings hikers thank you for tuning into the john Freakin' your pod i'm doc and i'm your host After taking a detour away from the High Sierras during the last two episodes, we're going to head back up there for at least a portion of this week's episode. Through a friend of a friend, I was able to line up a big treat for you this week. Joining me on the pod today is Zena, the thru-hiker, who has thru-hiked the full length of both the Pacific Crest Trail and Appalachian Trail, and she has her eyes set on the Arizona Trail. Welcome to the show, Zena.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) Now, is Zena your trail name or your real name?
2: Zena is my trail name. I got it on my first through hike, which was the Appalachian Trail.
1: Okay, and tell us a little bit about how you got that name.
2: So it actually took me some 500 miles to get a trail name uh, because I kept turning down ones that I didn't like. Um, Like I didn't want to be called Ice Queen or Robin Hood or Lewis Lane. Um, And it was finally someone that I had met in the first couple hundred miles that I sort of hadn't been in the same hiking bubble with. Uh, that I ran back into again and he was like, "Hey, do you have a trail name? I've been thinking about one for you. We can call you Xena after the Warrior Princess. You kind of look like the actress. You know, you're, you brought your family out here, you brought your friends out here. You're definitely the ringleader of your little group. Like I think it would fit really well." And I immediately went like Zelda the video game. I <laughs> uh, actually had to go to the next town and look it up before I was like, "Okay, okay, I'll take that trail name. That that sounds really good."
1: Now you said ringleader. How many, how many people did you hike? Were you hiking with?
2: So I actually, um, was, I don't know. I, I want to say unsure about hiking by myself. It was sort of my first like backpacking adventure. Uh, so I brought both my younger brothers. Uh, I brought a friend of mine that I'd worked with at a summer camp in Texas and I brought a friend of mine from high school.
1: Okay. That's a decent group. Yeah. Hey, how did you well, hear about the podcast?
2: Uh, so a friend of mine from when I was a lifeguard in California, who I haven't actually talked to in a couple of years, reached out and said, hey, there's this really cool podcast. And I bet if you wanted to be a guest on it, they would totally love you. So and I
1: I'm started assuming listening that's uh, to it. sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I started listening to it. And after like the second episode, I was like, yeah, I want to be on that.
1: Nice. <laughs> so, nice. So I assume that's the that's our common friend, our friend of a friend.
2: Yes, that is our common friend.
1: Okay. Very good. And, and any initial thoughts on on the podcast so far?
2: Yeah, um, I really like it. it. I think it's great for introducing people to backpacking, um, and I also think that in some ways, um, through hiking and section hiking are very different. Because um, you guys talk so much about planning, um, and I was just sort of like, "Oh, we get like it'll be fine."
1: <laughs> That's funny. Um, I thought it would be the opposite. You know that. We take so much time planning our section hikes. I thought there'd be a lot more planning involved with the the through hikes. That that doesn't seem to be your experience or Um, your approach?
2: I know a lot of people who have like dietary problems um, or like different dietary needs will uh, plan that. But I, for example, ended up flipping on my Pacific Crest Trail through hike. Um, And when I flipped up until about 200 miles from the Canadian border, I had no idea how I was going to get back to Old Station. (laughs) Um, And it's sort of like we we learned this thing, like the trail will provide. um, And, you know, if you put it out to the universe that you need something, you will eventually find a way to get it to yourself.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, before we hop on the trail today, let me take just a couple of minutes to get the preliminaries out of the way. I want to welcome the country of Ireland to the pod. Thank you and welcome aboard to my lone listener in Dublin. That makes 10 countries that are tuning into the JFM pod. And hey, if you are enjoying the podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is subscribe, give us a rating, and leave a review. And Zena, if folks out there are not enjoying the podcast, they should probably just keep that to themselves. Agreed. Agreed. So, Zena, tell us about how you came to be a thru-hiker.
2: So it kind of came out of the blue for me. Um, my family never backpacked. We car camped. Um, and in college, as a rock climber, so that was a lot more of not backpacking. It was sort of car camping and hiking with your climbing gear, but coming back. Uh, and I read Wild, and it just seemed like this really incredible thing. And like she changed so much and like she learned everything about herself. And I was like, you know, right after college, and I was like, yeah, I want that. And then I started looking at the Pacific Crest Trail and I was like, wow, I can't do that. Um, and so directly after graduation, a friend of mine hiked the Appalachian Trail and went southbound so he could start uh, later in the season. And like watching him do that, I was like, wow, that's a doable trail. You know, like it looks horribly hard, um, but it's a doable trail. And so I started looking up the Appalachian Trail and I was like, oh, it's got this awesome trail culture. It crosses something like 250 roads, it has shelters in case like I want to get out of the rain for a little bit. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do the Appalachian Trail. Um, and so I did what I'm going to call our two training hikes. Uh, one of them was wandering around Death Valley with a friend of mine for three days where we got totally lost and ended up retracing our steps. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other one was over New Year's with my brother and we intended to hike like 50 miles and we ended up hiking two and then going back to the car because we got cold.
1: So those, those are your two training hikes before taking so, on the AT?
2: Those are my two training hikes before taking on the AT. And like saying that it sounds like I should have been like really nervous about the AT, but I wasn't like from the second I stepped on the trail. I'm like, yes, I'm walking to Maine. This is, this is what I'm doing.
1: Wow. That is nuts. That is nuts. So, uh, one you know, one of my questions was going to be, what was your first big hike? But it sounds like the first big hike was, you know, 2000 miles in length.
2: Oh yeah. It was the Appalachian trail. That, that was my first hike. Like, that was okay. the
1: big one. All right. Now we're going to get to both your, your AT and your PCT trips in just a few minutes, but tell us a little bit about what you're expecting from the Arizona trail. That's, that's one that we have not talked about yet on this podcast.
2: Oh, the Arizona trail. I'm actually really excited for. So it's this 800 mile trail. It starts at the Arizona Mexican border, at least if you go North and ends at the Arizona, Utah border. Um, and everything I've read says that, you know, water is going to be scarce, but it's going to be gorgeous like every time we turn around the bend there's going to be sky for days you're going to get the sunsets so as long as i can time it properly uh with the weather and the water i think it should be like the desert in southern california um and it should be a lot of fun
1: and is it like the desert in southern california in that there is there are not a lot of water sources
2: mm-hmm. see I started early to mid-March in the desert in Southern California. I started March 17th, and it was a high snow year, so I did not have that problem. Okay. Um, yeah, the, lar- the longest stretch I went, I think, was 34 miles without water. Uh, and those were, like, few and far between. I was normally uh, at the farthest, like, 16 miles from water.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I know you only had a couple of training hikes before the AT, but did you do anything in regards to – um, training for, for to build up your fitness level, say to you know get ready for the trip, or were you just like, okay, let's do it?
2: Uh, no. So I heard this saying, and it's the best training for a through hike is the first couple hundred miles of the hike, and there's nothing you could do to prepare yourself for that. Like you are just in it. Like at some point you're going to be eating as much as an Olympic athlete, and like you're in it until you do it. You have no idea like how to do it, and so it's like great. That's fine. I've always had like a base level of fitness. Like I was an athlete in high school and college. So it's like, I'll be fine. I got this. It's fine.
1: Okay. What, what kind of athlete?
2: Uh, I was a swimmer.
1: Okay. Very good. I want to go back just a second. You talked about reading wild and being kind of inspired by that. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to last episode, the uh, the jumbo size episode of adventure media, we called it. But we we talked about wild being an inspiration for a lot of folks out there. And that seemed to be when uh a lot more people started hitting the PCT after that that book and, and movie came out.
2: I, I definitely agree. They're now issuing something like fifty permits a day from March through May. And and more like more people are getting it. Um when I went to get my permit, I was number three thousand three hundred and eighty-eighth in line. So wow. I was lucky to get one.
1: All right. Hey, uh, JFM faithful. Stay tuned. After the break, we're going to get into some details about Xena's AT hike. Stay tuned. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right, welcome back. Hey, let's get down to the the, the first big hike, the AT hike. Um, How long ago did you do that?
2: Um, I hiked in 2017. So I started on March 13th and I finished on September 20th.
1: Okay, so roughly six months
2: six months and one week.
1: Okay. Very good. And we have talked a little bit about the suffering that accompanies big through hikes. Did you experience any suffering out there on the AT? You
2: mean like foot pain and knee pain and smelling awful?
1: Yes. All those good things.
2: Nah, that doesn't happen to AT hikers. I'm kidding. Yes, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now. um, So take us through. I mean, you, you started, you went, you went northbound, right? I did. Okay. So you started at Springer mountain
2: um okay actually a little
1: before that right
2: I started a little before that I started at Amicalola and I hiked the approach trail and I'm not sure why but that 8.8 miles has always been a massive point of pride for me I think that's the farthest I ever like the first time I ever hiked that far in a day um (laughs) so I did the approach trail okay
1: and did you start off with uh, your cast of characters was it five of you I heard I counted
2: I did. Um, actually there was one of my brothers, uh, joined us about two weeks later. So I started out and there was four of us total.
1: Okay. And you know, you talked a little bit about the, um, the structures on the trail, the, what are are those called again? The shelters, the shelters. Yeah. The shelters. Is that typically where you spent, spent the night? I mean, they're, they're spaced so that hikers could, you know, hike their daily distance and get to the next shelter and, and camp in there for the night.
2: They are. They're spaced out really well. And in the beginning, like the first night I slept in a shelter, I actually hung my hammock in the shelter. Um, And then after that, um, we had to hike like, you know, full days to make really small miles. And by the time we got there, the shelters were already full. And so we sort of got used to not sleeping in the shelters. Um, And then we hit the Smoky Mountains and you like had to sleep in the shelter. And so we'd fit like, you know, 30 people in a 15 person shelter and it was just really uncomfortable. Um, so after, oh, I think it's Neil's Gap. We got off at Neil's Gap and we came back on, uh, we go up to the shelters and we'd be like, oh, it looks really full. And you know, like there'd be 20 people in a 15 person shelter and they'd all be scooting over going, no, 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 we can fit more. And would be like, oh, got a camp. Dang. <laughs> um, yeah. So we more use the shelter. Like if it was raining, we'd jump in and get out of the rain. Um, or if like we rolled in really late at night, we'd just set up in the shelter and we usually could because uh, a lot of the shelters have shelter mice because uh, people eat in them and they leave their crumbs behind. Nice. Um, yeah. So as soon as like the sun sort of goes down and everyone starts, stops moving around, uh, the mice come out and some of them are very bold and they'll like run over your sleeping bag. So wow. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's very unsettling.
1: No, no, I I've, thankfully I've missed out on that. So, the way you describe it, it sounds really appealing. You know, 30 people in a 15 person shelter. I'm sure you all smell pretty good. Um, rodents running around.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, and then you have the people who snore and they are always the first to fall asleep. And then you have the people who snooze their alarm like 20 times.
1: Oh,
2: uh, and it's just like I would throw things at you, but all of my things are light and then I'd have to go get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think camping outside the shelter is a good, a good call on that. And, and speaking of, of uh, your gear and how light it was, take us through. What, what did you bring on that hike?
2: Um, sorry. So on the AT, I had um, the Aura 60 pack, I think. Um, it's from Osprey. And I ended up hammock camping. And I was very excited about this because my least favorite part about camping had always been sleeping on the ground. And I have since gotten over that, but I did hammock camp for the entire Appalachian Trail. Wow. Um, So I had a hammock and a zero degree underquilt from Hammock Gear that I adore. Um, It's like a sleeping pad does for you on the ground, like it traps the heat, but it's basically a quilt that goes under your hammock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had this seven year old 30 degree sleeping bag that I put inside my hammock. Um, And I had a rain fly. I actually switched out the one I had in the beginning um, for a lighter one that had doors.
1: Okay,
2: and I loved that. Yeah,
1: and how heavy was your pack on that that first trip?
2: Oh, that's actually really embarrassing. It was usually close to forty or forty two pounds with food and water.
1: I feel your pain. I think that's what I was about on uh, on my first decent hike. So
2: yeah,
1: uh, did, did you make some? We've talked about making donations to the trail gods after the first night. Did you get? Did you reach a point where you said, "I am not carrying this item one mile further"?
2: Um, I I did not. I actually um like took leave no trace to heart. There was a ranger down at Amucalola that like talked to us a lot about leave no trace and not taking too much um pain medicine. And both of those I still try and really take to heart. So I carried all of my things 32 miles to Neil's Gap. And then it was things like my cup and my bowl and the lid for my bowl and like the spork that I hated all went in the hiker box. <laughs>
1: wow. wow. Very good. Very dedicated. I like that. Now, um, let's see, I, I just lost my, my train of thought. Um, oh, I was going to talk about, you know, you being a through hiker, me being a, a section hiker, um, I would encounter PCT hikers, uh, during my section hikes of, of the JMT. And at first I was really quite, um, I don't want to say annoyed. I think I was perplexed by them because they had their heads down and they were marching. I mean, they were going at a pace that, you know, don't get in their way. I'm doing 25, I'm doing 30 miles. And I thought to myself, you know, how, how fun could that be if you're missing out on everything that's around you? But I think when you're out there for six months at a time, um, I think that pace is probably imperative. I mean, it's, it's important to, you know, you finishing your trip and I'm sure you, you've got, plenty of experience with nature and the sites and, and, you know, I'm just looking at something from the perspective of, okay, I'm going to do hundred miles on this trip where those guys are doing, you know, 2,600 miles. And so maybe talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um, so I actually really love through hiking cause it's this six months, you know, six months plus cause the PCT took me seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for every single day, every single decision you make, directly affects your ultimate goal which is getting to canada getting to maine like everything you do affects that goal um and so when you've been out there for six months and you're like it's another mountain you know i just was on the other side of that mountain range and you know Mm -hmm. you like look at it a little bit and you're like okay i'm good you know but then you take the time and you're like this is a sunset you know it's not fogged in it's not cloudy like this is a sunset um and like if we ever came across those we would sit down and watch them um, mm. And there was a couple times we ended up night hiking accidentally, which I despise night hiking. Um, and there was one time we were doing it and we were going across this bridge and we just all sat down to watch a thunderstorm uh, and a lightning storm, like on the next ridge over. And it was like, we should probably move, but this is really pretty. <laughs> wow. And so I don't know. You're just out there for so long that you just, you know what it is that you want to look at after a while. And that's sort of what draws your eye.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate that. I understand that. That's great. Hey, um, what were you expecting out of the AT and did the AT match those expectations?
2: Oh, so that's a hard one. Um, so I had like read up on the AT and the trail culture and about how like, you know, you make all of these lifelong friends. Right. Um, and then I like started with this group of people, um, and ended up hiking, um, with all of them until one of them all the way through and the rest of them until they individually dropped off the trail. Um, And so like, didn't really get that trail family like thing that I was expecting. Like I Mm. definitely had a lot of trail families that I'd like, you know, come in and out of if I was going at the same pace as them. And like, I made a ton of friends, but it wasn't that, you know, like lifelong, we suffered together for six months. Like, Thing that I was expecting. and saying that if any of my AT friends like the ones that I hiked with for two or three weeks ever hear that they would murder me
1: <laughs> you're not promoting your appearance on the on the podcast I thought yeah. you'd have sent emails to all your buddies by now
2: ah, not the ones that would murder me <laughs> <laughs> all the other ones everyone at work knows I'm doing this tonight
1: <laughs> yeah okay great so what, what was your average daily mileage on the AT what would you say
2: uh a little it was close to eleven miles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the AT is rough. The AT is rough. You go straight up a mountain and then you come straight down the mountain and then you go straight back up. And then if they can find a bigger rock, you walk over that too.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask I, I was gonna ask you about that because I you know, being in the having done some of the high Sierras and the John Muir Trail, I, I always imagined that with the height of those mountains that You know, the PCT would probably be more difficult than the AT, but then I've heard some other, I've heard conflicting evidence on that, and that people who have hiked the AT said, no, no, it it will really kick your butt. So, I mean, you've hiked both of them. What's your opinion on that?
2: So, I was on the same page as you before the AT, and I was, or before the PCT, and I was like, oh my God, it's gonna be so difficult. Like, the highest point on the PCT is more than twice that of the AT. Like, you are way up there, and like, that is gonna murder you. But, the AT has a very narrow corridor of land uh, that they're allowed to be on. And it's surrounded by private property for a lot of it. Um, and so they don't have the room to make those switchbacks going up the mountain that mm-hmm. I loved on the PCT. Um, and so it like it kills your knees. It kills your feet. Um, and it's great, but it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> And then a yeah. lot of us in Maine, like you have all these roots. Like we would joke and compare the trail to spaghetti because you're basically just walking on roots. Like we worn down all the dirt; it's just the roots. Oh wow! And that's slick and hard. Um, if it wasn't like the rocks or the puddles, it was roots.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of that, hiking boots or trail runners?
2: Trail runners.
1: Definitely, Definitely. yeah.
2: Started the AT in hiking boots. Um, and somewhere around Pennsylvania, my third pair of shoes was a trail pair of Ultra Olympus, and they are hands down my favorite shoes. Um, and so I did most of the PCT in ultra lone peaks. Um, and finally was able to find Olympuses in stores because they're not well stocked. Um and got those from my last couple hundred miles.
1: Okay. And they held up pretty well?
2: Uh they do. I think the older ones hang up held up hold up better than the newer ones um getting a little tongue-tied um but it, it sort of feels like um and a couple of the other ultralight companies are doing this like the more popular they get the less their gear actually holds up and it's really annoying um mm-hmm. so when I can instead of finding like the very new like 3.5s I'll go back and find like the twos or the threes <laughs> yeah, they hold yeah. Up a lot.
1: In that first ep or not the first episode, second episode with Buddy, we talk in getting started, we talk about the the triangle, uh the important triangle when buying gear, and that's uh price, uh weight, and durability or quality. So mm-hmm. So what what was your what was your favorite part? What was your favorite moment of the AT and maybe your least favorite moment? Maybe you can break that down for us.
2: Um so my favorite moment of the AT um, would definitely have to be the day I hit Katahdin because um, it was sort of like the stars aligned on that day uh, and there was a guy that I had met on day one and like you know hiked with on and off the whole trail and so we had like started together we had hit the halfway point together and then we hadn't seen each other in like a thousand miles and we didn't end up doing the 100 mile wilderness together like uh, me and my friend and his trail family. Um, and so I got to Summit Katahdin with his trail family that had like always adopted me really well. Um, and it was sort of like that day was everything that I wanted out of the trail. Um, and it, it, we just had this beautiful day. Like we walked up in a cloud. And so it wasn't like you could look left and right and get distracted by the view. Like there was just nothing there. And then as soon as we got to the top, like it was sort of the cloud lifted. And it was just this crazy thing of like, you really realize like you walked up a mountain today.
1: Uh-huh. Wow, incredible.
2: That was just fantastic.
1: And how about your least favorite moment? I'm Um, sure there were several of those.
2: There were several of those, as comes with all long trails. Um, But it would probably be I fell in, shoot, Delaware. I think it was Delaware. Um, It might have been New Jersey. It was New Jersey. I fell in New Jersey. Um, And I ended up having to get stitches. Uh Uh-huh. Um, And I I sort of like fell and sliced my wrist open um, and had just started hiking with this guy called Nobody, who I learned that day had been an army combat uh, medic.
1: Oh, that's fortuitous.
2: Yeah. And he looks at my wrist and he's like, you're going to need stitches. And I would do them for you. And I like cut him off right there. And I was like, great, do it. Like we have to make 17 miles today. Like it's going to be fine. Just do it. And he's like, but it's really deep and you need to get this washed out. So we're going to town now. Um, and I was like, so upset in that moment. Like I was just so angry because it's like, we have miles to do. Like we're already behind. I just want to go hike, um, and couldn't. And then everything sort of fell into place for that. Um, like we immediately got a ride in with one of the nurses that worked at the, the, the urgent care we were going to, um, and we had met, like took us to a hospital. Um, but yeah. But that, like, everything worked out, and so, like, looking back, it's a really nice story, but, like, that day, I was tired, and I was hungry, and I was angry all day.
1: (laughs) One of those low moments, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whoops, didn't mean to cut you off there, Zena. Why why don't we move to the uh, PCT? How long ago did you do that?
2: Uh, I actually did the PCT last year in 2019.
1: Oh, okay. So, it's fresh in your memory.
2: It is, hopefully. (laughs)
1: And did, um, what were you expecting out of the PCT? It's 600 miles longer. I think you said you expected it to be a little bit more difficult because it hit those higher peaks. Um, yeah, what was going through your mind as you, as you started off?
2: Um, I expected it to be difficult. Um, I had been looking at the weather radar in the weeks leading up to it. I started March 17th and the week before that it was snowing, um, at like mile 20. And so I was like, really having a hard time, like deciding what to pack and like what to expect for the desert, because everything I had heard prior to this year was like, it's going to be hot, there's not going to be water, you're going to see snakes everywhere, deal with it. Mm -hmm. And this year, I'm hearing, it's snowing, it's cold, it's raining. Yeah, not a lot of people who want to go out right now. And so it's like, okay, like, you know, the not a lot of people I was expecting, but everything else I'm like, do I know how to deal with this, like in a desert versus a mountain? like
1: yeah it seems to me that the pct has very it's a long trail of course 2600 miles but it has a it seems to me to have a, a, a different personalities along along the trail i mean you're in the desert to begin with and then you're in the, the high sierras and then i understand that oregon and washington are are two different animals as well
2: yeah yeah that's exactly right You come out of the high sierras and you're in the desert again in northern california and then you're in oregon um which is sort of like walking through a forest, which after so long of like not seeing trees was really different. And then you're in Washington and you're in the Cascades. And like every time you turn a corner, it's just drop dead gorgeous or completely fogged in and misting.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. And did you change your gear out uh, for those different parts of the trail or did you keep the same gear the whole time?
2: Um, I changed my gear several times. Um, Several times. I switched out my hoodie when I got to the Sierras. not my hoodie. I kept that. Um, but my down jacket, I switched out for a cumulus down jacket, which was a little heavier, but it was also way more durable. Um, I switched out my tent for a sleeping bag or my tent, my tent for a hammock when I got to the Sierras. Um, and I switched out my shoes quite a bit.
1: You switched out your tent for a hammock in the Sierras.
2: I did. I did. Um, my crew hiked in the Sierras in mid May. I think we went in like Something early, like May fifteenth or May seventeenth or something. Um, and so we knew that we were hiking into fifteen feet of snow and late season storms. Um, and I knew that sleeping on the ground in snow was not what I wanted to do. So I, I knew I, I like I knew my hammock setup. It had lasted me on the AT. Um, I had that zero degree underquill already. I had a very waterproof tarp that had doors on it that I could close against the wind. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the setup I knew and that was the setup I wanted.
1: Now I know that a lot of the JMT, which is for most of the JMT, it's a, it's a subsection of the PCT. I know a lot of the JMT, especially the southern half of the JMT is above 10,000 feet. And so you're above the, the tree line for a lot of that. Did did you Was that problematic with the hammock since there were no trees?
2: It was not. Um, for those the Sierra, because I flipped up at Kearsarge Pass, I actually only hammocked from like mile 500 to Kearsarge Pass. So I only hammocked um, until just past Forrester going north. Okay. Um, And so we wanted to make it a point anyway to camp under 10,000 feet. Because um, we were like, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be the only ones here. We're going to be rolling into camp early. Like we might as well light fires, you know, and you can't do that over 10,000 feet. Right, um, right. and you know, you sleep better under 10,000 feet. So we always made it a point to camp at lower, the lowest elevation that we could.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I know that I talked a little bit about when I ran into through hikers and, and kind of what went through my mind as a section hiker, what I'm sure you encountered section hikers along, along both of your hikes. What, uh, what are the, what are the main differences between the, the section hikers and the through hikers out there?
2: Oh, um, well, the big one is the section hikers smell really nice. <laughs>
1: You can tell when they're they're they've got deodorant on, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're not as good as day hikers. Like you can smell day hikers coming, but like you know, section hikers. Like oh, you smell nice. Um, yeah.
1: Level that's levels of of smell. That's that's smell rating for different types of hikers. You've got day hikers that smell the best. Section hikers who smell a little bit a little bit worse than them, but still better than than the through hiker.
2: Yeah. And then you have through hikers whose all of their clothes should be burned on the spot.
1: Nice. Nice.
2: Yeah. Um, and then I think you guys take a little bit different gear than we do. Um, like in the nicest way possible, your chair. When you guys <laughs> it with a pound, I was like, oh my God, a whole pound just to sit on. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, yeah. It's only, you know, seven or eight days of carrying that pound as opposed to six months of carrying that pound for you. So.
2: Yeah, but we take um like foam sit pads, and so we like so we don't have to sit on the dirt all the time. We just you know lay out our foam sit pad.
1: Mm-hmm. Right now, did you did you hike with the same crew on the PCT that you did with the uh, on the AT?
2: Uh, no. So the the one person that made it the whole way on the AT with me, I did not invite on the PCT. Um, but I did start with my two brothers. Um. Okay. I'm very proud of them. One of them made it 500 miles, and the other one made it 788 miles. So, and
1: how did did they, did they finish the AT with you, or did they only do part a part of it?
2: No, um, on the AT, one of them made it 200 miles, um, and then his allergies got really bad, and he's like, you know what? I got what I wanted out of this. Like, I I don't want this anymore. Um, and the other one made it 1300 miles, <laughs> and then we were hiking after a windstorm, and he got hit by a falling tree. Uh, he's fine. Now he did get a concussion. We had a very interesting time. That is one of two times that I have actually considered hitting the panic button on my, uh, GPS.
1: Wow. How far out were you when, when he got hit by the tree?
2: We were, we were very lucky. We we're only 5.4 miles outside of town. Um, and so what we ended up doing was I took, uh, most of the stuff out of his backpack. Um, and I hiked behind him and we were very lucky within a mile. We ran into even more of our friends. Uh, Who were able to take everything out of his backpack. um, And we sent somebody ahead to make sure we had a ride at the trailhead. Um, And so, yeah, so it took us a long time to hike those five miles like we should have cranked it out. It was flat or downhill. Um, And it took a long time, but we did get him to the hospital and he had a concussion, but he was okay.
1: Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. And you guys were lucky you're only 5 miles out. Oh, we were imagine if that had happened out in the middle of nowhere.
2: Oh yeah. Well, that's we all carry um GPSs with panic buttons. Um that sort of track us every day when we turn them on. So
1: Nice. Nice. Now, I know we talked a little bit about how the the trails were were different and the AT doesn't have the switchbacks. Um, any other big differences between the trails? It seems to me that the AT is a lot closer to civilization than some parts of, of the PCT.
2: The AT is definitely a lot closer to civilization. Um, even parts of it that I thought would be cut off, like the 100-mile wilderness, um, I still saw a ton of people in. Um, and the AT is like this very popular social trail, and so like especially in the first 500 miles, um, the locals call it the party crew uh, that moves through. And these are people that are not going to finish the trail; they just came out to have a good time and party. And like you know, they start in one town and they right. stay for like a week or two, and then they hike to the next one. and They stay for a week, and then they go to the next town. Um, and so those aren't people you see very often, but they're there. Right. Um, right. But yeah, and the AT it rained a lot. Like a lot, a lot. I was on the trail for 192 days, and it rained—like not all day, but at least part of the day—for 140 of them.
1: Mm Hmm. And with with the AT being so close to a lot of different towns, and and the PCT being a little bit more remote, how did that impact your resupply strategy on those trips?
2: Um. Yeah. It it didn't. I had the same strategy. Um. Um, I was very lucky on the AT, my first long trail that it was not across the country from Indiana. So my mom drove out a couple times, okay, um, and she brought resupply food and laundry detergent, you know, <laughs> laundry actually,
1: detergent. Wow. Oh
2: yeah, oh yeah. Came up with like for while we were in town, not to take with us. Um, but she came up with like this whole strategy on how to like have us in her car, but not have her car smell like us for forever. It was, it was great. Um, but yeah, so most of the strategy was get to town, hitch into town and buy food and leave. And then uh, sometimes if I like got word from the trail that one of the towns, like it was really expensive, like they didn't have a lot of options or something, I would ask for a resupply box to be sent. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you've read it, but I, I read the last Englishman by, um, Keith Foskett. And one of the things I'm amazed at is how many, how many, um, nights, the through hikers spend in hotels or motels in these towns. Did you spend a lot of nights in motels or did you just go to town to pick up supplies and then head back out to the trail? How did that work?
2: We do. Um, so it's kind of 50 50. it a lot depends on like how fast you can hitch into town, um, resupply. And then you have to find somewhere to do laundry or like you will not get a hitch the next time you hit the road. Um, and then how fast you can get out. So usually if we went into town, we spent at least one night there. Um, but we're lucky. A lot of places are like, oh, you're a thru hiker. Like you can camp in the backyard. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's a much cheaper option. Um, and a lot of towns like Etna, you can camp in basically like their town park. And as long as you take your tent down every day and set it up every night, um, they let you camp there. It's very nice. Okay.
1: Okay. And you mentioned cost. How much, how much did it cost to, how much did you have to save up to hike the AT and how does that compare to hiking the PCT?
2: Um, so much money. Um, so for the AT, I saved up a thousand dollars a month. Um, so I saved up $6,000. Um, and I am very lucky. I can still borrow from my parents and borrowed about a thousand for that. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was 7,000. And then the PCT, I've not done the final math on, but I think it was also close to 7,000.
1: Wow. Expensive proposition.
2: Yes. But then again, you have to factor in if you had rent, whatever, bills and food for six months, that is also very expensive.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Now, did you, I mean, obviously you started with your brothers on both the trips. Um, Mm -hmm. You hiked with, you had a friend go with you the entire distance on the AT?
2: Yes.
1: And did you make friends along the trail? Did you hike with some, uh, some folks that you still keep in contact with?
2: Um, so on the AT, it is absolutely impossible not to make friends. Um, and so I was sort of in and out of trail families. Um, basically, like whoever, uh, I don't know, I had set pace with that week or month I was close to. Um, and then on the PCT, it was very different uh, nearly immediately. Uh, I like We formed up a trail family and there was seven of us and we were named the Magnificent Eight. Um, and this was a joke from our like hikers that would hike around that we'd see every couple miles. And they're like, well, you've always adopted someone. Uh huh. Um, and it's someone that, you know, is only going to stay with you for like four or five days or until the next resupply. But like, there's never, like, it's always the same seven and you've always like you've adopted someone. Um, and so it's, it's an eight, so they would never feel left out.
1: Nice. Nice. Very thoughtful.
2: And then we broke up after we got off the trail at Keosarge Pass um, because we all had different plans. Um, Let's see. uh, Cheese, Scout, and Bird went back into the Sierras. uh, And then Patience flipped up to Ashland and started hiking south. Um, uh, Who was it? Ultra and my brother Whiplash got off the trail. Whiplash.
1: I I like that. Is that from the tree falling on him?
2: uh, He actually got it before it, but we like to say he lived up to it.
1: Nice. Yes.
2: Um, yep. And I took two weeks off. My friend happened to be in Tahoe and I was like, I'm coming. I will be there. Uh, I just had a very scary like 11 days. I will be there. Um, so I took two weeks off and then I went to Old Station and started hiking north. Um, so I did end up flipping up and I was very lucky that the people that I started hiking with, uh, Cuckoo Great and Spam and then Exxon and his dog Batula, uh, all magically... <laughs> Magically flipped up to old station two so when we flip down we can go to the same spot and we were nobody was our trail family name
1: okay nobody and you, you said one of you, one of those uh, one of those had a dog patula yeah, yeah. How, how was it hiking with a dog
2: I so I'm a huge fan of dogs I have two at home myself um they're not in shape to go out. Um, but I loved hiking with the dog so much. And I think part of that was that she was not my main responsibility. I did not have to carry her her, her booties, her shoes, her blanket. I didn't have to carry a pad for her. Um, I only had to let her sleep in my tent when uh, I felt like it. Um, yeah. It, it was amazing having all the benefits of a dog and not actually having to go through all the logistics of hiking with a dog.
1: Sounds like being a grandparent.
2: Yeah. It was You'd excellent. Hand- you and can the hand kids
1: back any time. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what kind of dog was she?
2: Um, She was a mix. I honestly couldn't tell you. She was about 30 pounds and she had very long legs. She was very skinny. Um, she's the most well-behaved dog I've ever met. We walked her off the leash and she just sort of followed me for 1,300 miles. Okay.
1: 1,300 miles. Wow. Impressive. 1,300
2: miles. The only downside that I found of hiking with a dog was when we were in Washington and we hiked by all the poison oak. Uh, I was very careful to avoid it and she was not. <laughs> and every time I sat down, she would come and sit in my lap. So
1: oh,
2: I poison no. out down my legs. Oh no. Yeah.
1: That's gotta be that's gotta be terrible out there in the middle of nowhere scratching.
2: Yeah, that was rough. Because if you didn't bring anti-itch medicine, you couldn't get it till the next town. And if it was a small town and they didn't have it, you couldn't get it until the town after that. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, let's go back a second. You said you, you ran into a guy named Cheese? Yeah, Bad Cheese. Hey, we, we also ran into one of our training hikes up in Acton. We ran into a guy named Cheese. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of guys out there named Cheese on the trail, but uh, uh, interesting that there's a couple of them there on the PCT. Huh.
2: Yeah. Ours was Bad at Cheese. He made the mistake of labeling the food in his bag with a Sharpie in our dinner circle as we were talking about how people get trail names. And he's just minding his own business writing bad cheese on a baggie and we look over at him and we're like well bad cheese
1: well since you guys gave him the trail name i'm now pretty sure it's not the same guy
2: ah, yeah
1: so Zena, what, what, what was your favorite moment from uh the pct and your least favorite moment
2: oh gosh there's so many okay um so one of my don't,
1: don't don't limit yourself. If you've got more than one, go ahead.
2: Oh God, okay. Um. So one of them was the day we climbed Forester, and this is like the single most terrifying thing that I never should have done. Um. We climbed it the day after the worst snowstorm of the season. So we were in there in May. It was late in the season. We were not ex- like. We knew there would be snowstorms, but we were not expecting it to dump two feet of snow on us. Um, and so we camped at the base of Whitney, uh, dumped two feet of snow on us. And so instead of doing Whitney, we just waited that out. And then like, we were very careful planning. And we were like, all right, we have two days of sunshine. We can either go over Forester or we can go up Whitney and be stuck in here for another storm. And we sat down and we looked at our food and we're like, all right, we are going over Forester. Um And so we hiked out that day at like three o'clock we got closer to the base of Forrester and the next day we did Forrester. And when we got to the shoot, um, the, the snow <laughs> was so packed that I don't think we were actually walking on the trail. I think we were just walking on packed snow. Um, and it was like this several hundred foot drop directly to our left. Um, and it, it, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Uh-huh. I had an ice ax, which I had learned to use like earlier that week, um, and micro spikes, which (laughs) I had brought crampons with me and hated them. And so I had met a girl that had brought snowshoes, crampons and micro spikes and hated her micro spikes. And this was Everest, another good friend of mine. And I was like, I'll carry them for you. I'll carry them for you. I'll give them back to you and (laughs) Bishop. Um, and she agreed. So I had her micro spikes. Um, and when I went over, uh, I think it ended up being ultra myself, Whiplash, Homemade, and Scout on the summit. Um, and we were sort of ahead of the rest of our group, and it was cold up there. And the sign for Forrester was actually – I know you, doing the JMT, you know how tall those signs are? Yes. Uh, it was below my knee.
1: Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, snow. there was some snow up there then.
2: Yeah, there was some snow up there. Yeah. Um, and it was like it was terrifying, and then we got to the top, and it was just beautiful. Like it was cold, but it was beautiful. Um,
1: so was this a favorite moment or a least favorite moment?
2: This is a favorite moment. This is what okay.
1: I'm- all right, it, it didn't sound that way when you when you started.
2: It was just we had to work so hard for such a beautiful view, and it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Um, all right. So that was one of the favorites.
1: Nice. And let me ask you, when you got up to Forrester, I've been over Forrester twice. And both times early in the day, as we were making our approach, the weather was great. And then we got to, to Forrester Pass and the weather turned on us and it was hail and wind and just, you know, thunder and lightning, scary stuff. Did you have decent weather when, when you got up there?
2: Uh, aside from the snow on the ground, we could not have been luckier. It nice. was blue skies, maybe one or two fluffy clouds, like as far as you could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were so lucky. Um, that in the next day too. All
1: right. Yeah. Y- yet another story.
2: Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of my least favorites. Um, I saw a mountain lion. Ooh. Uh, and I have seen black bears. I I saw like six or seven on the Appalachian Trail. I saw eight on the Pacific Crest Trail. And like, I should be worried by black bears, but I am not. Um, mm-hmm. they're scared of us. You put your hands up. You shout, "Hey, bear!" and like. You see their butt.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and I saw a mountain lion. <laughs> and so we were in the middle of this crazy day. Um, we had had a section. How do I explain this? Okay. So, is, it
1: P- is it on the PCT?
2: I'm on the PCT. Okay. Uh, I get to Aetna and I have to skip 40 miles um, because of the snow. And I actually tried to do them and I got – three miles in and I like sat down and called my dad and I was like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And I'm all by myself and I'm not sure that I can do the rest of these 40 miles. And he's like, what are you doing? Go back to town. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I like sat there and I thought about it cause I had really wanted to be able to do them. And I was like, I just got out of the Sierras and 15 feet of snow. Like, I don't see why I can't do this. Um, and I turned around and I was very upset with myself. Um, and I went back, I got back about three-tenths of a mile, um, and I started noticing that, like, there were big tracks right next to mine that had not been there while I walked out. Oh, wow. Um, and I had been followed uh, by a very large animal.
1: Do you think it was stalking you? Uh,
2: I'm not sure if it was following, if it was stalking me, or if it was just like, I haven't seen anyone out here in weeks. What in God's name is this 2 legger doing?
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So I like, you know, I'm walking back, holding my ice axe, blasting my music until I get to the road where I like set my backpack in near the middle of this abandoned road and just like stare at the trail for a good 10 minutes. And I'm like, if it's coming out, I'm going to see it, Uh huh. <laughs> which would not have helped me at all. Let's be real. Um. And so fast forward, like we've hiked to Canada. Uh, we flipped down. We did this crazy four day flip and all of us had skipped this 40 miles. And so we were like, we're going to do 40 miles in one day. We're going to get this done. We're going to have a continuous footpath. Uh-huh. And so we start at something ridiculous, like four or five in the morning. Uh, So we've hiked the three miles in to exactly where I was when I found the footprints. And I am now several tenths of a mile ahead of my friends. Uh, And I'm like, you know, jamming out to my headphones. I'm a happy camper. And I look up and 20 feet ahead of me, a mountain lion walks across the trail. Wow, didn't even look at me, and this is like the most terrifying animal encounter I've ever had and so I like start backing up and I'm like desperately trying to like turn off my headphones and like make my phone blast music, and I'm like shouting over my shoulder at my friends and like you know backtracking, and I'll turn around and walk and then I'll turn around and walk backwards, and I do this for like three tenths of a mile um and then I see my friends coming around a corner. And the second I see them I am so relieved I start uncontrollably laughing. Um like cannot stop and they come up and they're like "Zena, Zena are you okay?" And I like can't tell them what's happening cuz I'm laughing. Um and they're, and they're like looking at me and they're like "She's not hurt. Did something happen? Should we go like ahead of her?" And I'm like, you know, putting my arms out trying to like block them so they can't get by me. And I can finally go mountain lion. And as soon wow. as I said it, I just like started crying, like tears coming down my face. Like, I don't like, I've done a lot of dumb things. I don't think I've ever been closer to death.
1: That <laughs> is a funny. story. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. It's like saying that I know that if you see them, they've already like seen you and accepted you and like decided that they're not going to hurt you. But like, it was just, you don't realize like exactly how big and exactly how muscular they are until they're right there. Um And so since I was in the exact same spot, my theory is that that cat followed me when I came in uh, and it was really snowy and I had to turn around. And when it saw me again, it was like, I know that one. Uh, And that's why it crossed in front of me because it recognized probably my really bad stench. (laughs) (laughs) And knew that as much as I wanted to be like, you know, a predator, it really didn't care.
1: (laughs) It's your spirit animal now.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah terrifying mountain Mine by Aetna.
1: <laughs> that is a crazy story. Zena. I think one of the things that I really wanted to know, I want to ask you about is, you know, the big question, why, why do you, why do you do these long hikes? You know, 20, 2,000 miles with the AT, 2,600 miles with the PCT, uh, six months at a time, seven months at a time. Why put yourself through that? How did you get into this and why?
2: Yep. Yep. That's that's the big question. Um, so when I was in college, I read uh Cheryl Stray's book Wild, which I assume everyone else has. Um, and I was not a fan of the movie, um, but I just looked at like how much she grew and changed and like found herself on the trail and I was like, that's amazing. And you know, like post college, you have no idea what you're doing with your life, um, as you're supposed to at that point, but no idea. Um, and I was just really lucky and I found something that I love and something that I'm good at.
1: And has the trail changed you?
2: Um, I think it has. I I think I'm very different than the person I was in college and the person I was before I hiked a long trail. Different in what way? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, I think I definitely speak up for myself more. Um, I don't know. It's little things. Um, I very rarely feel nervous hiking around, like walking around a new city. Um, uh, things like hitchhiking don't bother me anymore, uh, which is oddly specific. But I sort of came up with a little way of, like, if I don't want to get in someone's car, like, you know, you can straight up say, "Like, not you Thanks, though." <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I think I'm a little more blunt with people,
1: so more self confident overall.
2: Yeah. That's, a good, that's the word.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The feeling you've done, you've done something of that magnitude. You can handle just about anything life throws your way.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to say that while knocking on wood because life's scary sometimes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And we all, we've also talked about how after a long trip like this, how, how being by yourself or with a, a small group of friends out in the wilderness, life gets really simple. And then when you, you have to get back into society when the hike is over. Did you have any kind of adjustment period where you, you found yourself kind of uh, in a difficult spot?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness, yeah. Post-trail depression is real for most of us The hike long trails, and it is hard to come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's – I don't know. It's hard to come home from this trail, this trail where you had like one overarching goal, and every single decision you made, it came back to this overarching goal. And then when you come home, you're like, oh, all I've done today is walked the dog and done the dishes and I cleaned my room and I definitely could have hiked like 15 to 20 miles by now. Like, what am I doing with my life? Or you'd be like, you know, all I've done is worked for eight hours today. Like I could have walked like 20 miles. Like, what am I doing? How long, is that, how long does that stay with you? Um, I'm still struggling with it a little bit. Um, there are some days that I come home from work and I was like, wow, that was incredibly unproductive. I could have just like, you know, I could be sleeping in the woods right now. <laughs> um, right.
1: And how and long I, have you been off the trail?
2: Oh, um, I got off in October,
1: October. So we're talking, you know, four or five months later, you're still feeling that the, the effects.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of it is it changes the way you interact with people. Cause you know, you're in the woods and you're making friends with these people and shared suffering is the best way to make friends. Um, and I find it harder to make friends at work cause I like my job. It's actually really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But you don't have that same level of connection.
2: But yeah, but you don't have that same level of connection. And so it's people that like, consider me a very good friend. And I'm like, mm, we're barely acquaintances. Like, I don't really like, I
0: <laughs>
2: haven't lived within 40 feet of you for four months.
1: <laughs> right. So there's that whole comparison of, you know, life on the trail versus life off the trail and, and how that, how that plays into your interactions. That's interesting. Yeah. So you've done the PCT, you've done the AT. What about the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail? That'd be, that, that, that give you that triple crown title under your belt there.
2: I know. I know. Um, yeah. And in the beginning, um, the triple crown was never on my radar. It was just the PCT that I cared about. Um, and the more that I hike, the more that I think that it would be really fun. Um, but it also has 780 unfinished miles and I am a hiker, not a wayfinder. And I, like being on the trail and knowing that I'm going to run into other hikers on the trail. And like, you know, I like that the towns know about hikers instead of just like, Hey, what you doing?
1: <laughs> so there's 780 miles of the CDT that are basically aren't trail you have to find your own way.
2: Yes. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You, you have the option to bushwhack. Um, you can walk on a dirt road or you can walk on a page road and like you know, road walking is not my favorite thing. I walked in a lot of snow this year to avoid road walking. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, and bushwhacking is my least favorite thing beside road walking. So,
1: doesn't sound too appealing, no,
2: yeah, not yet. So, I'm hopefully gonna give it a couple years and hopefully it'll be finished and still not super popular. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe so in the when
1: next. You- when do you leave for the AZT, the Arizona Trail?
2: The Arizona Trail, I actually want to do around this time next year. So late February, early March of 2021, um, mm-hmm. because I do want to be a northbounder. Um, having hiked my other two trails north, it would just feel wrong to go the other way.
1: Right. And so if that's not till next year, what are, you, what are you doing this year for, for hikes?
2: I am not sure yet. Um, I am up in Washington, so I'm trying to get permits um, for the Enchantments and to do the Wonderland Trail. Um, and I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the Kindle catwalk. If, uh, if all goes to according to plan.
1: Now the Wonderland trail goes around Mount Rainier.
2: That is correct.
1: Okay. I've done a lot of read up on, on, uh, the Wonderland trail sounds incredible. If you don't mind, if you get a permit for that, would you mind being a, uh, kind of a trail correspondent and, and doing some recordings from the trail for us?
2: Oh, I would love to. That would be really fun. Uh,
1: that'd be fantastic. All right. Hey, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick. Any last words for hikers out there who may be considering taking the plunge and doing one of these uh, extreme, epic, long through hikes?
2: Oh, it's the same advice I always give. Go hike. You're going to have so much fun. Everything will work it out, and the trail will provide whatever you need, you know, given enough rain. Go hike.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. Nice. So there you have it. That's it. Episode eight is in the books. I want to thank Zena for coming on today and sharing her experiences. It was absolutely fantastic, Zena, giving us that, uh, that long through hiker perspective. I hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to hearing more from you when you're out on the trail. Hopefully, uh, you get on the wonderland trail and report in for us.
2: Hopefully that'd be awesome. I had a great time.
1: Good, good. Also, Hey, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media?
2: Um, so actually just took out my blog. I, I write about all my long trails and I just take it down. Um, but I am on Instagram. It's Zena the Hiker. Uh, I do post all of my hiking pictures there.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Remember, if you're interested in being a guest contributor for the John Freakin' Muir pod, there are a number of ways to get in touch. There's johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com as well as Twitter at John Freakin' Muir and Instagram John Freakin' Muir. And for clarification, there is no G in Freakin'. Also, if you're hiking all or part of the JMT this season and would like to be a correspondent from the trail in order to share conditions and stories, please get in touch and set that up. Hey, Zena, one of the things that I did not preface at the beginning of the of the episode was the pro tip inside of the week, but I think that you're a regular listener and you kind of understand where that, where that springs from. So uh, anything come to mind as we talked um, during the episode or anything from your experience that you can share as the pro tip insight of the week for this episode?
2: Um, yes. And this one's actually a little awkward. It's pro tip. If you talk loudly about your problems, someone else will solve them for you.
1: Nice.
2: Um, yeah, we learned this in town. If we talked about not having a place to stay, uh, a place to stay would be provided for us, whether it was someone's backyard or someone buying us a hotel room. On the trail, especially in civilized areas, if you talk about how hungry you are, uh, someone will come up and offer you a power bar. And I notice this, especially in New Jersey. New Jerseyans always carry food and they're very nice. Um, yeah. If you're outside uh, CVS and you're talking about how you can get back to the trail, uh, someone will offer you a ride.
1: You know, I have a feeling this isn't just a, a pro tip inside of the week for, for hiking. I'm going to try this approach at home. I'm going to try it at work. <laughs> And talk about problems and see if people are going to offer to solve them for me. That's awesome. Thank you.
2: So wait, I've noticed it is hiking specific because if you do it a lot around people that you're around a lot, they pick up on it. And that's never a good thing.
1: <laughs> good point. Good point. All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freakin' Muir Studio with Zena and Doc. Thank you for tuning in. And always remember, the trail is the trail. And I, I imagine this applies to both the AT and the PCT. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock.
2: Too true.